Byron Bader Maccabi, FS Ed Jaswell, and Rayal make a statement against Zenit. It's all ahead of us in EuroLeague Sweet 16. Tune in. Great pass from Diomantidis. The lob is done! We go 40 minutes to a title. David Blue for three. On the mark, David Blue! Now Spinellas drives inside. Look for the oh! EuroLeague Sweet 16, exactly what you need. As ever, we are up on SoundCloud and we are, of course, uh, on wherever you get good podcasts. So be sure to search for EuroLeague Sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome from Dublin. Emmett Ryan from Ball on Europe here, back after about a month and a month in which I must admit I've been able to watch so little basketball, such has been the craziness of life with my uh, day job, unfortunately. So, but fortunately, I am joined today by Moshe, who is, of course, a team scout and joining me from Israel. Uh, Moshe, you're going to make sure I know all the things I need to know over the course of the next uh, while, aren't you? I never promised that. Well, you didn't promise, but I'm confident you'll do it. But we have some breaking, breaking non-basketball news for this show before we start. And that is that after 37 years, the soap opera Neighbours is going to be cancelled. Unfortunately, this is a basketball show, so we're not going to talk about that, but we felt it was important to mention. And so we've got a lot to get through today, like especially because, you know, part of this show is going to be the what Emmett has missed in EuroLeague over the last month, uh, you know, and it's going to be most just sort of explaining how so many things have happened since I last, you know, ch- checked in, because uh, a lot has happened. And, uh, you know, the best way to do that is to go through the most inaccurately named segment in all of sports and entertainment today. The four-minute warning. Four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in EuroLeague. It's the four-minute warning. And so, Moshe, I think, you know, the thing I need to start with here is when I was last on this show, Barcelona were kings of the hill. They had won the Clasico. They were clearly the number one team in EuroLeague. And they've just destroyed Panathinaikos, who, let's not dance around it, are awful. Uh, but... Um, Barca aren't top anymore. So what's happened in the last couple of weeks that I missed? And what and how did Real impress so much against Zenit? Okay, there's a few things we, we really need uh, to get you up to speed. So I'll, I'll I'll do my best. Betty White is gone. May she rest in peace. I caught that actually. I managed to catch that. That was very sad, yes. Uh, there's, you know, Basconia actually has a new coach by the name of Nevin Spachia. Most EuroLeague teams have went through the second wave of COVID. We had weeks with no EuroLeague action. I was aware of that, yeah, yeah, because I noticed there was weeks I wasn't missing anything when I thought I was missing everything. Uh, well, here's the thing. Lewis has yet to make a jumper. We're still working on it, though. And Ari's, from what I was told as of late, and his you know, recent activities uh, in terms of the Black Ops operation he's been running from an underground bar, they are, he's trying alongside his crew to, uh, they're trying to bring Bonzi Colson from Turkey to the EuroLeague. On top of that, as you can see, um, I'm great. <laughs> you, you do great, yeah, for sure. But I suppose those are really important things for me to know. Oh. But how have Real gotten so hot? Like, what's happened with them? Okay, two last things. Two last things. One, it okay. was a double rounder, and EuroLeague has a new website. Yeah, I caught the website. It's much better on desktop than on mobile. And given most people who listen know I work in tech journalism, that isn't a compliment. Uh, so it's, it's uh, uh, so Moshe, yeah, double rounder. We're just off that. And, uh, you know. Yeah. So Madrid. So Madrid, right? Here's the funny part. They, um, you know, they, they kind of, you know, Tristan Vukcevic is not on that roster anymore. Okay. And this is a, a, it's a nice game that I've played with Lewis and also with Dave Hine. 
if I were to ask you who were the 13th, 14th, and 15th guy on on the rotation, on the Madrid rotation, who would they be? I'm going to go with my flatmate, John O'Brukel, Mick, who works at the shop up the road, and Darren, who works in my local bar. Close, very close. We start off with Trey Tompkins. We continue with Anthony Randolph. And we top that off with a nice brewski to which we'll sit down hopefully with Gabby Deck. So that's their 13, 14, 15. Essentially, yeah. That's deep. Like that's deeper than I realized. Wow. That is, this actually puts an exclamation mark, I, I believe, in terms of if you were a GM game, remember, who would you take from that team or this team or whatever team? So the first 15 guys on the Madrid roster, you take each and every one of them. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Like if like, you know, any of those being in a 13, 14 or 15 slot, never, you know, is just insane. Like the Euro league level, like heck, you know, to be honest, most NBA teams, if you told them Gabby Jack was their 15th guy, they'd go, we're doing all right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, that's Yeah. That, that sums it up. sums it up pretty nicely, doesn't it? It does. So Barcelona, I see they're coming off a 2-0 week. So what happened in between that I missed? I mean, not much. The the game against Byron, as you would have anticipated and expected, you would have said that it probably is going to be a hot mess of a game. And I would, would go and continue saying a lumberjack match. Because that's <laughs> the, no, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you got to bring the beat down. You got to bring the axe. That's yeah. in such games. Uh, and this actually continued beautifully into the Maccabi game with Byron. Because that's exactly what Byron brought. Same thing they brought against Barcelona. And whenever you play such a team, you really got to, you know, you got to come swinging. And essentially, you know, Panathinaikos is Panathinaikos with all the respect. Obviously, we're all, we'd all be thrilled to see Panathinaikos doing much better. Especially if you're named Arale uh, Weisberg and you're working uh, uh, from Israel and you're our colleague and we love you. And yeah, we know you're hoping for better days. Uh, and also, you know, it's good for, uh, I'm guessing, for our Europe family, you know, to see the Greek teams doing better. But Barcelona, like Panathinaikos in their current shape after COVID, will you, I mean, okay. You, well, they were pretty bad before COVID, like most, you know. Yeah, so you see where I'm going with this. I'm trying to be uh, kind of, you know, to handle it uh, gently in a way. But you, you didn't expect much from Panathinaikos before, obviously not after. And especially when you're putting Barcelona into that equation. True in previous years, Barcelona versus Panathinaikos, all hell was about to break loose. But I'd say this, I would have expected them to be just a bit more, uh, um, say, competitive. I'm not saying to the point where yeah. it's like a close game, but not a blowout like this. Yeah, well, like, well, like yeah, because most of the time you and I have been watching bar, bar basketball motion, like Barcelona Panathinaikos as a matchup, like for a rivalry that's not based on, you know, local rivalry or any other sort of traditions, it's based purely on we've both been serious competitors for a long time. It was probably the most reliable of those types of rivalries in terms of this one's going to deliver us, you know, a battle, like, you know, a really good game. And if we haven't been able to say that, like, you know, with the same regularity in a while. The, the next team I need to know about, because this is one where, and also I get to get one of my favorite little uh, factoids I always go to on this show in, we are all the way down at 12th for teams with a positive points differential in EuroLeague. Now, obviously the modern form of the EuroLeague is relatively young. That's still unheard of. Like we don't go that low with positive points differentials in EuroLeague. And obviously only the top eight make the playoffs. Like usually a positive points differential is a 
good sign you're going to make the postseason. But right now, I'm talking about a team at a 10-12 record who Moshe has probably been colder on despite living closer to them and is, would therefore be more likely to be nicer than the other three of us who host this show. What on earth has happened with Maccabi? Moshe, like, this is this is bad. Is this all COVID or what? Oh, wow. I'd say it's, a, it's the perfect storm in a lot of ways. It's things happening at that, like, specific timing, which is the worst timing when you think about it. It's like there isn't any good timing to, to lose guys to COVID. But when you're the first team, I think, to get, like, a second wave and then a third wave all together, and, look, I didn't expect them to win uh, against Byron. I actually I picked Byron to win. Last week, and that would have they got was well, okay. Like, I'm not gonna say what the team said, like, after you know, that was essentially their third game in five days. Because at the end of the day, the workload is an issue. This is something that we talked about, not just for Maccabi, for all your league teams, especially now when you have when they have to um uh, play those games that got rescheduled, the, the makeup games that's gonna create a lot of workload. So, you're gonna see teams, you know, probably starting to fall one after the other in terms of fatigue in games. You're going to have all these ups and downs. But with Maccabi, everything happens so, like, everything happened, like, together, you know? Now, they brought Kyrie Thomas, and my first impression is that is a big body guard that can he can definitely help them on the defensive end. And once he gets into rhythm, also on the offensive end, it's like the... If you were to ask me who's the Maccabi that was like 22 games into the season, right? Is it the one that crushed Joggeries, that beat Barcelona, that or the one that lost the way they did to Bayern, right? Or got crushed by Olympiacos or the one that crushed Olympiacos? I can't say yet. Mm. Talent-wise, potential-wise, it's there. I mean, you it's not like because Panathinaikos, they've been consistently bad throughout the year, right? Correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Com- completely. Like, there's no dispute debating that at all. They, they they weren't like till this day they have yet to connect two wins consecutively in the Euroleague. Oof. Tough, right? I mean, at least that's what Lewis said. I mean, Lewis checked it, I think, last time, which is why. I think have as well. Hawkins Algiers won two straight games at one point out of their three. I think two of them might have been back to back. Who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, yeah we're, not, we're, we're not bother checking. Like, that's just to be clear. I mean, usually we would have been, but games have already been rescheduled and. Yeah, of them were already played, so it's tough to make that like to make that follow up. In- yeah, because the way the listing is, it's as they were in the round structure as opposed to the date they were played. Yeah, so it gets very confusing. Yeah, so it's uh, with Maccabi. They had the winning streaks. They had losing streaks. They had great stretches of basketball. They had okay stretches of basketball, and also bad stretches of, of, of basketball. So I, I guess the be- like the worst thing we can say about them right so far is that we can't really pinpoint which version of the team we're supposed to see. But there's always a silver lining, always. Mm. And that is, if I'm taking the Bayern game out of the equation for obvious reasons, am I seeing some new things with this, with this you know, current version of Akabi in the post second and third wave of COVID? Yes. Good things? Potentially, yes. They'll need to build up upon it. Now it's all up to them, you know, essentially. You, know, you can see the positive, you can see the potential, but you got to live up to it. And I think that that is a great segue, an amazing one, and that to Anadolu FS. Brilliant. Yeah, as I said, I said you're, set, you're teaming up right for FS because 6-4 in the last 10 games, uh, two wins this week, uh, which of course means they went above 500 for that 10-game stretch. 
and important ones because they're they're the difference between FSU who are currently a half game up over the teams behind them in the race for what is currently the last playoff spot. 12-11, Moshe, tell me what I'm missing. Same thing I would say with Maccabi. You have those great, okay, with the, there's a slight difference. We're talking the early reigning champs, which it's is a bit of a difference. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a bit of a difference. And I mean, listen, we're we're expected to make it to the final four, like us, you know, still, yeah. I mean, unless something crazy happens and by the looks of it, crazy is cooking underneath the surface. But I honestly don't know. It's like I'm feeling more secure and confident about our chances to be in the final four. Oof, oof. That's harsh. That's very harsh. I mean, listen, they'll say it flat out in the open. They're not, they're not denying it. They have amazing stretches of being of instability. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Instability. There are just huge stretches of it. Like, yeah. Too many of them. And and the thing is. On paper, they made the right adjustment. Like they are better prepared, I, I, I'd say, for the day after Kronosov Simon, right? Because they brought Elijah Bryant. They, I, I'm, we've said it like I think from day one, since day one of, of the sixth season so far, the loss of Sertad Shanali, the more you look at it, I mean, it, I, I know, I know. Yeah. But. No, but like, I, I, again, like I've been the biggest advocate of this. It's like, because he's not really seen as a fourth quarter player, it wasn't looked on as much, but he is so important to those first three quarters for the teams he plays with. You know, he puts that production together that you can't just remove that. Like it's a 40 minute game. It's not a 10 minute game. Yeah. And, and sometimes you, you know, whenever you analyze basketball games, you see like prior to a game that someone like is averaging three to four points per night. Right. Yeah. 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 And if you start against you hitting a couple of threes, that means he's already over like two points over his average. So you know that by that point, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that Serta Chanelli's contribution never really was never really measured in his averages, which were, which were great. Don't get me wrong. It was much more like it was all of these things. We don't see in stats because till this point, it's like, if I were to ask you, Emmett, was he like the glue guy? Was he the leader? Was he like the silent guy to lead everyone to connect? Everyone? So you cannot pinpoint what he was. You can only say now that he's gone. It's I like, would call him it, a common presence uh, because you could know that if Shane or, or, or Vasa weren't necessarily lighting things up early, that things are still going early because you had Shanley there. And that was the thing. Like he meant, you, you know, no matter what situation you're possibly going to be in without him, if you had him, you were going to like more than likely, like way more than likely being in a manageable to good situation going into those final 10 minutes because you had him for those first 30. And you know what? Last year, they didn't have, at the beginning of the season, there was no Shane Larkin with the knee surgeries. There was, there were, there was no Brian Dunstan, who also had a, I'd say, awkward kind of accident or aftermath for cryotherapy. But he had that uh, um, frostbite. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie Mack, yeah, that's a mad one to get as well. Like, you know, yeah. although sports athletes do find ways to get weird injuries. So. Yeah, I mean, the two of us got injured in uh, – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, like that FS team, it's like I, – I, like for me, if I'm looking at like – say we cut it off today and only the eight teams left are in the playoffs – we almost have perfect seedings for like, because obviously FS versus Real will be amazing series, but we want a perfectly balanced set of four. 
I'm moving FS all the way up to fifth, moving all the other teams down one. That way, I think we have a perfectly balanced set of series. But, you know, I don't get to do that. You know what? We take Anadolu FS this year, right? And I know this is like, what, the fourth year of this project? Mm -hmm. I think so. Like, for sure, three. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, four, because they the, the season prior to that, they made it to the final four. They lost uh, to Cheska in the finals in Victoria Vestia. Yeah. So my point is, try and remember what happened to the Maccabi dynasty right after that year when they won their first. How did Olympiacos came off from that first title and in, uh, in after the Istanbul final where they beat Cheska yeah. right after? You still have that sense of urgency. Now, there is a bigger question that needs to be asked. What, like, what's the contribution of the current format to this? Because if you're coming as the reigning champs when, with no sense of urgency or it's me against the world because now everybody wants a piece of the champ, right? Absolutely, yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, I got enough games to make up because on paper, this is exactly what I did last year. But that's the thing. If you're the reigning champ, there's already a mark on your back. You're already saying, come at me. You don't have that sense of urgency. You're going to lose too many games. Now, I don't know if that's the case. But and I also, like, every road game against a non-playoff contender is basically that team's championship game. Because if you're going to, as well, if you're going to Belgrade, you know, even if you're going to Kaunas, you know that that's the one that the, they, they're going to try and sell to the locals as this is the big one for us to win this year. I mean, just imagine what's going to happen if we're going to get a best of five series between the reigning champs and the team that they've eliminated last year in the playoffs. In the best of five series that everyone said it was going for a sweep, but Madrid pulled off that amazing Madrid pride and we got a oh, game yeah. five in an amazing series. Well, you mentioned Madrid there, who are currently over the last 10 games, the hottest team in EuroLeague. They're 9-1. and one. The second hottest one, without looking, Moshe, who do you think is the second best record over the last 10 games? Hmm, without looking. Without looking. Just give me a guess. Give me a sec. I need a sec. I'd <laughs> say it's either, either, uh, I, I'd say Milan, maybe? Uh, no, but no. they are joint second. Yeah, not when it's definitely not Olympiacos. If anything, they're the coldest team, I think, right now. No, Oli are pretty much run of the mill. They're 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, but when I'm looking at their last three to four games, they're like, yeah. Right. So it's not Milan, and obviously it's not Real because they're number one. So sorry, he joins third Milan are for hottest record. Uh, I so, wanted like, to see Zenit at the beginning, but Zenit, like, they... Uh, nope. Udix? Nope. So the three Fener, teams in joint... Fener, Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce, eight and two. The three teams directly behind them. So it's Real 9-1 and one over the last 10, 10 games. Fener 8-2, and two, and Barcelona, who we've talked about, Milano, who we will in a bit, and Monaco, who we will right after Fener, are all 7-3. and three. Fener Bache, uh, for, considering, you know, they really were looking, you know, not good, are 11-10 overall, but 8-2 in the last 10 games. That means they have gone from 3-8 and eight to 11-10. and 10. That is quite a turnaround. Is it a surprise though? We've seen them. We've seen them doing exactly just that last year. I'll tell you what is exciting, actually. What is the, the thing that I'm really like taking my hats off to them? It's that they're managing to uh, to keep their form despite of COVID and also not having Vesely or Decolo. Yeah, I think they're doing it with injuries and absences, which is a lot. It's not just ab It's not any, you know out of the ordinary absences. It's not like, you know, it's the 16th guy that's missing. 
it's one of the best guards in the competition. I want to say like shooting guard, but Dekolo can also help with facilitating at times. Of course. Uh, and Vesely, which is obviously one of the best big men in the competition. So yeah, Shyok is not have you know he's having his regular kind of out the mill uh, beer league debut season. So, but he also missed a couple of games. To me, that actually says above anything else that the guys that you really need to pay attention to are Polonara and Dai Sean Pierre, who to me, in my books, is the essence of what it is called the unsung hero of Fenerbahce. Yeah, and like you know, I, it's it's pretty impressive stuff because obviously there's been a lot of debates about like, you know how good or how, or our Fenner like is the coaching right and all that, but they're getting it done right now. The other one, which I think they've hung around longer than we expected, especially given all the drama around them. Monaco were 12 and 12. They were only a half game out of the playoffs. What's happening here, dude? What am I missing? I, I wish I wish I had somewhat of an explanation to this. I mean, you know, you can say it's when you look at the talent there, just the, the like for years, we've been asking ourselves, when is Donata Smotiunas going to come to Europe? It's going to come back to Europe. Because in terms of talent of, of talent availability and the four or five positions, he's supposed to be, you know, at least one of the top guys in, in, in set positions. And um, then you have Mike James, you know? Also, yeah. Mike, one of the top three, four guards in the competition easily. So, uh, and yeah, you cannot build around, like, and it's just say, okay, we just need, like, two guys to build a team around. But Leo Vesterman, when he was playing, the team was rolling. And, you know, you have these guys... Like Dwayne Bacon, by the way, I think it, it was a great signing, and I'm I'm eager to see what's going to be his next stop, uh, if it's in the Euroleague. Uh, they, they're just on a roll, honestly. There's a lot of questions to ask about, like what's next, like yeah. And the thing is, like Monaco have managed to like bounce back from what was like you know a, a three losses on a spin run. Now, granted, like you know two of those where you know sorry, not three losses, it's been a rough start. Uh, but like you know, like they've been getting wins recently, you know. Um, like you got to go back a while to their last loss to a team that isn't in the playoffs. Uh, those yeah. stand, you know? Like I'm, I'm like looking literally at the standings now. And no, I, I, I get it. I get it. You're looking at the standings, and it's perfect because you know what I'm looking at. Yeah. I'm looking at their games that they've played. Yeah. Okay? So they, for example, they beat Zenit by nine points, right? Okay. They lost by eleven. They beat Maccabi by six points. They lost by double digits. It's a bit of a wild one, like, yeah. No, like, you know, the point being is, it's like, aside of Bayern Munich, and because I don't see how Bayern's going to, you know, they got like the, a couple of wins over Bayern. So that's like the only team that they got. They have like the, you know, in, in terms of when there's going to be, a, should there be a tie break, you know, head to head or, or more than that? They are only superior to Bayern because they're, I mean, Maccabi are, you know, they have the advantage in head-to-head. So is uh, Fenner, I'm guessing, and Anadolu. That's like what we should expect because I don't... Although, although, although I will say, Moshe, I don't like top of tiebreaks in that scenarios until we're at least into March. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a little early oh, on tiebreakers. I'm not talking about tiebreakers. I'm, 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 ta- I'm saying in general, because of their current yeah. situation... Uh, and with the teams they're competing against, just to get to that number eight spot, right? They oh, it's a lot get, of work. Yeah, they are not in that good of a shape. It's not like when you look at teams like, for example, Maccabi's chances, like if they were still on a roll or if they are on the roll, 
they have some head-to-head -head advantages, like in terms of tiebreaker, should they occur? I'm, I'm talking in general. I'm not, I'm not going to say now, okay, let's start calculation. That would be stupid to do that right now. In general? It's never stopped you in the past, sir. <laughs> I could totally see you trying to go tiebreakers on me in round two of the season. Not, yeah, I mean, I, that, that would not be a first. That would not be a first. But we are smarter, six seasons you know, into, that, into the show. We've we're slowly at, getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. But point being is, you cannot talk about Monaco, right? And how good of a form they're in right now and not address the potential disaster it's going to, you know, the only thing that can keep them out of the playoffs is, the, is if they get just the same amount of wins over the teams they're competing against right now because they are not doing good. Yeah, That's and I don't think they're doing enough with their home court either, like, because they're, you know, obviously they're doing fine on the road, but the problem is, You've got to make that home court stand like you know what i mean you've got to get those wins at home because that's taking care of business part of this season and they really have been it's not been a you know a diff as difficult a place to go as it should be and i think that's a big question for them the next team i want to talk about because like they're looking like sort of they're almost holding where they were last year uh as in by last year I mean at the end of the season milano 15 and 7 uh just coming off a home loss to fenner obviously but um are they biding their time for the playoffs or what's the story with Milano? They're just doing what they need to do, I think. Like, they're not slipping anywhere. Which makes them very dangerous, which makes them very dangerous. Indeed. But I don't want to jinx right now any team at this point of the season. And I know we've said it like time and again, even though it's COVID. So COVID is the, it's the anomaly for every rule that we've coined or, you know, came up with. Every stat we came up with before COVID happened such as their four-game losing streak, uh, losing uh, uh, more than a couple double-rounders where you go 0-2, and, and it just everything went out the window. There's just this one thing for now, which is no team that finished regular season first, you know, actually won the early. Yeah, it's, it is kind of wild. Like, you know, it's sort of becoming, because uh, it's, it's one of the running jokes in ice hockey that you never touched a president's trophy, which is given to the team with the best overall record in the NHL at the end of the regular season because it's seen as bad luck for your chances to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but uh, although actually being first overall seed isn't actually statistically a bad thing uh, for those wondering, but it's more touching the trophy seen as a bad thing because hockey is full of superstitions. But yeah, like we have it, we're at the stage now where first overall seed does not mean that much in the postseason. From the beginning of the new format, it, I mean, it took the, the big powerhouses some time to, to realize that. Now, the ones who are striving to get there is perhaps just to send that message that, you know, for Madrid, it's understandable because last year they had like Faku leaving and Gary Dak leaving and you kind of start wondering. And then all of a sudden, despite all of that, they managed to pull off a great playoff series. But now they need to send a message throughout Europe. And we have the best squad out there. And, you know, pound for pound, when you look at it, just the names alone, it is the best or, you know, the most talented roster, I think, in, in the early. Like, if you're Barcelona, you look at that roster, you're saying, okay, I want this guy, I want that guy, right? For sure, Barcelona could enjoy for, you know, just having one of those Madrid guys. So oh, yeah. the point is why we're bring, we keep bringing up Madrid is Milan, yeah, they're, they're extremely dangerous, but I'm not confident enough when, when they're going to face like Madrid, whether it's a playoff series or, or a final four. Yeah, it's like I think Milan, like their goal is make sure we finish top four and anything after that is a bonus. Uh, but, you know, they're still on course to do that. 
and that's looking promising for them. And I suppose, Moshe, the, the last thing I want to discuss, because you have some good news from Moshe this week. It, the fight scuffle, the fight kind of scuffle thing that happened after the Milan? Sorry, the, the, the last actual basketball thing. We'll leave the fight till the end. Uh, the last actual basketball thing I want to discuss will be... Uh, actually, no, we'll do the fight before, but we'll tell you what's going to come after the, after the fight. Is that there was good news at Russia this week, despite the mixed results of the teams. And that, of course, the good news involves Alexi Shved. But uh, the fight, yeah, so a bit of a scuffle there, Milan and Fenner. What's, what do you reckon of it? Like, I'm always annoyed by athletes getting into fights purely because if you're going to fight have a real fight like what athletes end up doing is oh, oh i'm a big guy i'm a big guy and like it, it probably hits me more because i'm a huge person like i'm 6'3 and i'm 280 pounds which uh motion can convert to kilos but it's about 120 i think so i'm a big person and uh you know when i see my athletes fighting unless they're like nfl offensive and defensive linemen who are amongst a few athletes who are legitimately bigger than me and just to be clear i can't fight to save my life and i'm unathletic as heck I'm not impressive, impressed when people who are not actually trained fighters in sports try to fight because they look like they're like all CrossFit bros who are wondering what a punch looks like now. And it's just the most pointless thing. Like if you're not going to actually go out there to hurt somebody, uh, you shouldn't go out there to hurt somebody, by the way, just to be clear. But if you're not going to do that, don't get into a fist fight because you're going to look stupid. Like it's very common in Irish sports over here. Like Gaelic football is rife with it. But, oh, and it's always just annoying. It feels like the most pointless, you know, thing. Like, I want passion. I want expression of emotion. But if you're not going to have a proper fight, just don't have a fight. <laughs> That's my take on the fight, Moshe. Well, just to be on the safe side and to be in the clear, you remember the, the movie Semi-Pro, Jackie Moon? Ron of course, Baker. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you see what I did with, with Ron Baker and Ed Monix? Oh, yeah, well, Ron Baker was just, you know, perfect, perfect look yeah. for it. Like. But there was that time where they wanted to go in, to get into a fight and they had to go to a commercial break. So they took a time out and all of a sudden, like, quick, <laughs> everyone hit any, like, you know, just hit anybody. And you see, like, this amazing, well, not amazing. Fights are not amazing, but, you know, by any point. Well, fights can be, but, like, in movies, they are in turn. It's like, yeah, yeah well, amazing. You can fight in semi-pro. Like, yeah. it, it, was, it was amusing as hell. But my point being is, there was something special to it. You know what? Uh, and here's the thing. We know Kyle Hines, how many years now? How long now? A long time. Let's be clear. Kyle would ruin me if he wanted to get into a real fight. Kyle is not trying to get into a real fight on a basketball court. You know, it's like, and Kyle would do terrible, terrible violence to me if he wanted to. He's a nice man, so he wouldn't. Exactly. That's my point. And crazy Moshe and crazy Emmett in their prime would have said, yeah, why not? Let's try, you know? We, we no, were, no, no. Even on my craziest, I'd have been hard enough to not try and pick a fight with Kyle Hines. Have you seen the size of those thighs? Thighs? The thighs? That's what gets you? Not his shoulders? Uh, oh, no, his shoulders are enormous, but, like, I look at the thighs and I know that whatever's coming from up top has some serious support coming from, from below. Oh, I played okay. offensive line in American football. So you're, and, talk, like, you're talking fist fight, like, purely. Because then yeah, if yeah, you only yeah. attack the legs, you bring him down, and then it's a whole new different ball game. But what I'm saying is, like, if he's throwing a punch at me, the power is coming from the lower body, and that's going to, like, I know, I'm discussing how Kyle Hines is going to hurt me, but it's like, because you see it all in the shoulders, for sure. But if Kyle Hines really wants to hurt me, he's, like, jacking up those thighs, because he knows he could really put a bit of power behind with the hips, because I played offensive line in American football motion. Everything came from the lower body. Like, you saw it with the upper body, but it all comes from the lower body. And if Kyle was going to punch me, and he could knock me out, that's coming from the lower bodies, and the shoulders are like, you know, the sauce on the steak. Oh, honestly, it's it's a well-known thing. I mean, okay, 
granted, you know, with my history. This is quite a deviation, folks. We went into how Kyle Hines would have been life on your early Sweet 16. You weren't expecting that this week. This this is not like how to throw a punch 101. Okay, no, this is your league sweet 16. We're talking basketball, but hypothetically speaking, okay, yes. I used to train. I know, like you're right. It definitely and I and I've broken Emmett. By the way, Emmett is broken. It's so like, ridiculous. It comes from the hips. No, you're right. I'm 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 actually I'm I'm supporting your your point. You're right. You're you're totally right. It comes from the. And hips. again, Kyle is a lovely man and wouldn't do that. But if he wanted to, oh, he could. Exactly. And the reason I brought up how uh, how nice Kyle Heinz was, it wasn't because of just think about a Care Bear that's going to mess you up big time. <laughs> it was it was because it takes a whole lot. When when was it last that you've seen Kyle Heinz go with goes at someone like this? Well, I'm saying like because but I think if Kyle really wanted to hurt them, you know, he'd have calmed down and he'd have hurt them and he didn't. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Goodrich, you should say thank you. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much like if Kyle wanted to hurt him he'd hurt him uh you know it's like that's what I'm saying like because when athletes fight they don't really fight they just throw hands you know and there's a difference look Kyle Hines competed okay against Sofo in the post Sofo by far was perhaps one of the strongest dudes in the post and oh yeah you can say that Kyle Hines contained him you can say that Patrick Young can, uh, contained him at times, maybe David Blue and Joe Alexander contained him in practices. You can say that Nikola Pekovic. These are the dudes that, when you think about, they could deliver. Like they well, the could, guy you're describing, just imagine Nikola Pekovic, one of the scariest people to ever walk the planet. Like, yeah. So, so just think of the damage. And Kyle Hines, when you think about it, try, imagine to to just try to imagine what it would take to take him down. And I'm not saying with a punch. Just take him down. Like Moshe, this is the thing to tie it up, tie it all off. Most early players could do terrible things to both of us violently, and therefore, in theory, should be able to do terrible things to each other violently. Yet, when they get into a fight, they don't, which means you know they're pulling back, like they're just they're throwing it's all it's all heat, yeah. there's no fire, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. And, and with Kyle, and, come on, when you see Kyle, the only thing you want to do is hug him. But that's what I'm saying, but that's why I hate fights in sports because, it's like, you know, unless it's an actual combat sport, like I'm a huge boxing fan, like people know that, like, you know. Like, they're, you know, it's like the fights are crap. They're bad fights. And it's just, you know, distracting away. And like, yeah, I might fire up the team, but, you know, and they always like, oh, I can fire up the side. Do you know what I normally notice when a team gets into a fight? It distracts the side. Like, you know, that's what it is. You might say it fires up, but I find it's way more of a distraction than it's ever a benefit. And, you know, you know, okay, admittedly, at the end of a game, it's probably the one time where it's not, where it actually can only fire up because it gets you going through training during the week. But never get into a scrap during a game, folks. It's only going to hurt you. Well, not only, but mathematically, it's more likely to hurt your performance down the stretch of a game than benefit it. And I think we tie off the fight on that. Yeah. Let's get to Russ yeah. before we get to the games of the week. Uh, Zenit, Sheska, Unix, all still in the playoff positions. But it was a big story this week. And it's not so much a result, but it's a bit of history. Alexi Shved joins an important club, Moshe. Easy now. He is. He, I think it's 3,000 points, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought, uh, uh, okay, this actually worried me because it, it's something I brought up in our uh, WhatsApp group uh, about him perhaps losing his title as the Golden Langford this year. That's right. He's not really doing the, the, the foul drawing. Although we did, in fairness, in our season prediction, we said there's a good chance he won't actually be the Alexis Fred that draws all the fouls at Sheska because of the way Sheska rotate and, you know, use players. 
so like we were somewhat expecting that in fairness. Yeah, that's fair enough. But as for Zvedi, you know, we had a few milestones, I think, with rebounds also with uh, Kyle Hines, maybe, was it? Oh, oh, you're going to have to, uh, I, I am. Yeah, well, uh, we I have had to. a few milestones about, about rebounds, that's for sure, with, uh, with a bunch of players. And also we had with the points with, uh, obviously, Alexi Zved. Yeah, he did what he needed to do. Uh, Cheska got, you know, the results they, they wanted, I mean, partially, when you think about it. Uh, By the way, just out of interest, uh, I got to criticize the New York website because even in desktop, going to just, uh, you know, this season's, uh, you know, stats is uh, actually a bit of a nuisance. It goes straight to historical when I go into, into the fouls drawn. So the most fouls drawn in total this season is uh, Mike James with 105. I'm going to go into with uh, per game, and that is... Vasa, although it's actually a real battle for the Golden Knight for this year, although no one's over five fouls a game, which is disgraceful. So Vass is on 4.6, Shane's on 4.5, Will is on, Will Clyburn's on 4.4, Mike James on 4.4, Lloyd and Baldwin both on 4.2, as is Shangalia, Lugic, and Mirotic. So we have a very, very, like, actually, this is safely the tightest ever Golden Langford battle, although it's more because of just how unimpressive the leaders ling, are. Ling, 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 and that is the scariest thing. You know why? When why? The, because one of our rules was, at least for the Golden Langford, you got to finish, like, in the top eight for, for that to apply. With most of them, actually. I don't think we had a recipient. Inside of Luke Sigma, I think, last year, when we uh, kind of broadened the, the list. I to, know. To uh, to uh, I think Golden Life was very much, no matter who you were, you had to, basically you had to have that. You had to, it was fouls drawn per game. It was not per 40. That was what okay, we called it. Okay, that's, that's true. But how scary is it that most of the guys that you just brought up in a fight are potentially not going to make it in the playoffs? Most of them. Yeah, like, you know, Shane and Vasa are obviously the two. Uh, well, in fairness, our top, th- our top three are all currently in the playoff spots, as is number five. Uh, so, but yeah, no, and actually, and so is number one of the number sevens. But yeah, no, it's but like I, I'm more disappointed in terms of there's no one who's just gone out and just utterly been a foul drawing machine. Like you know, we've had lads who like Keith, like the year we came up with the name, he was in the high eights, like he was eight point seven or eight or something like that. Like you know, and like we have seen people flirt with nine in the past, historically speaking. And, you know, obviously, like, Alexi was always in the high sixes when he won, like, you know, uh, the dominant force that he was for that. Like, he was always high sixes, like, you know, and so we've got no one above, uh, above basically, enough fouls to foul another player out, which is, I consider to be, you know, the minimum for the, for the best foul drawing player in the league. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but like, listen, but I think before we get distracted by that, because I know we do have to go on to our games of the week very shortly. Uh, big shout out, I think, to Shred because, like, you know, I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's one of the things where, because he's a quieter season for him as a whole, but to get to that, you know, it's lovely because Alexi, it, it's kind of weird because he is one of sort of the more, you know, flashy players on the court, but I always found him one of the quieter ones off the court whenever doing post game interviews. Uh, just to be clear, that was whether he's speaking, in, you know, in English or through a translator, he was quiet, uh, you know, so uh, nice for him. Lovely bloke. By the way, I wanted to say about uh, the New League website, I agree. Like, you can say it, it's refreshing in terms of presentation. It's a lot brighter, and I, yes. I really like the brightness. But the user interface of just... Needs love. Of, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take, take some time to get used to. Uh, I think it needs more love, to be honest, because it's definitely not quick enough to get through different things. 
yeah, uh, I think you got maybe... more clicks. You got more clicks. You got more kind of tabs. You need to switch in between. But and again, I, maybe it's just like memory that that's kind of uh, bamboozling me in a way. But I felt like it took me less less time to to get acquainted and more comfortable with the previous website than with this one. Yeah, I think the last one, while not as visually pleasing as this one, was far more user experience driven. This one feels far more about the visual impact in terms of the brightness and the coloration. But I think the, you know, because I, I go with the biggest apps in the world, TikTok, Instagram, you know, they're entirely about being able to do stuff fast. Like TikTok, it's extremely user-friendly. Like I'm 40 and I know how to use it. That's a terrible sign. Uh, you know, so it's like, and that's that's what I'll go with there. I think that most of given we are mindful of the time here, we do have to get on to our games of the week. That's true. And before we do that, uh, we'll just, I mean, we saw Voitman and like getting hurt in the previous Cheska game and we knew that Toko missed a few games so we need to address that when we're giving our predictions to, to make it a fair game as much as we can yeah. um, I mean I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna have more fun I'm gonna go blind uh because I don't natural. Got, yeah natural I don't know who's got COVID I don't know who's out because again I, I am and by the way folks as a guy who you know everybody who listens to this know I care about European basketball and I cover it heavily it's just been impossible the last month of my day job, being frank about it, because so much has happened in tech. You might have seen Facebook lost 200 billion. When you have my job, that's not a small thing in the day. Uh, so, you know, that's the level I've been at the last month is the best way to describe it. So, and like Facebook lost 200 billion in a single day, which was hilarious. Uh, and just so you know, and this is important for me, for, you know, for our listeners to, to know this, is that despite we're not, you know, as available like all of us, uh, as we were in previous seasons, the amount of effort and availability and oh, yeah. the talks that we, we have constantly on, sometimes even on a well, daily is comical, like, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely comical that we're, t- we're chatting during the season, even though we're not all on air all the time. Uh, so on, on that bombshell. But, but my point is that this is why I really want to thank you and also Louis and Aris, because we somehow, with all of our restrictions, limitations, and everything that's going on right now, we keep managing. Okay. I, mean, I know it's not that evident yet in terms of the show, but we are discussing like how to to keep improving this show and make it better so that you guys can enjoy. It. So I mean, thank and you. Like, and like normally we go off in the wild tangents as to what the various things we're doing are during the times those of us who aren't here aren't here. We're going to be honest about Lewis this week. He's dealing with power cuts. He lives in Glasgow, a modern city of the modernist type with all the stuff and all that. He's dealing with power cuts. That's why he can't join us today. So we aren't going to have the various adventures with him. No, no, power cuts. That is ridiculous. So on that note, time for the games of the week. So as ever, the format is simple. We picked one game from each day to watch and make the picks for all of them. I'm looking at this list and... Sometimes game the game to watch is very easy. And like for me, Oli versus FS, like you know, just jumps is an obvious one for Thursday's games. Friday, I think there's a little more work involved. Uh, but uh then I go, oh wait, no, El Clasico is on because you know it's the very last game. So my games of the week to watch are the first and last to take place uh this week. Uh, we're gonna be the first game, of course, like I said, Olympiacos hosting FS, the last game, of course. Real Madrid hosting Barcelona, which I'll mostly be watching on a bus because I'm back in the office on Fridays now, which is really? a nightmare. Buses, buses in it? Again? I know. 
buses, but I'll be mostly watching on a bus mostly because I'm back on the office on a Friday now, which makes watching like, you know, the uh, early games a bit more work because like that game starts, uh, actually, sorry, it's, I, 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 I lie, I'll be, I'll be nearly home because your early website has updated one thing and now shows it in your own time zone as opposed to the, you know, CET, which was always showing. So I'll be home. I thought it was starting at like 6.45 my time and starting at 7.45 my time. I'll be home. I'll be fine. Uh, but uh, that's that I know bombshells all the way. Yeah. So yeah, my, my ninth games, by the way, two more games to be played on, uh, well, two days from now, February 8th. 8th so oh. there's a good chance by the time you're listening to this, they are, they got already, they were already played. There is a good, very good chance that by the time you listen to this, they were already played. So, but you know, who knows? Maybe you listen to this and this episode will come out even before the, uh, uh, you know, that the games will tip off. But Emmett, take it from here. Oh. Yeah, Moshe, mainly because I literally can't find where those games are listed on the site. We're not going to pick those. So my oh, nine picks just are... like the, That's the thing. It's uh, the homepage, right? Just scroll down. You'll see. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it says February 8th, uh, round 18 game. It's a makeup game, of course. Fener Madrid, 745. I'm guessing that like that's like uh, what? six, Like 1845 CET. And Jaguaris Milan, that is... Uh, well, you know, 7 p.m. CT on February 8th. Then you have the week that, you know, well. Yeah, so uh, I will say in fairness that, uh, you know, Fener Royale is definitely a, a watchable game. Uh, but like, uh, I, I think we'll skip picks in those ones. Uh, and we'll go straight to the nine picks here because we have really rambled. So like I said, I think the uh, Oli Ephes and El Clasico is my games to watch. I'm going to go with Olympiacos Zenit, but they will make hard work of it. Monaco, um, sorry, Zenit is over Alba, Monaco is over Zalgiris. Of course, I'm gonna say Maccabi actually come back and beat Cheska, uh, Milano over Basconia, Unix will make harder work than they should of Zvezda, Fenerbahce will beat Bayern, Asvel will beat Panathinaikos because Asvel have lost literally every road, so as well, Panathinaikos have lost literally every road game they've played this season. And El Clasico will be El Clasico, and uh, my apologies to my Spanish friends for that. And I'm going to go with Barcelona. I don't think they go three games behind. Uh, well, it would be two and a half games in this case, so they're one and a half games behind with the way the standings are, but I don't think they go that far behind. I think Barcelona get the road win, despite everything we've said to praise Real so far. Moshe, your two games to watch and your nine picks, please. You should apologize to like all the, all the listeners, not just like... I apologize. I apologize to all the listeners, but I feel like, you know, I was due a bad one after yeah. for those of you who watched the Irish Cup final. I managed to pay tribute to Meatloaf during my halftime analysis of the performance and made it a relevant reference to how the game was going. So uh, for those who didn't catch, I basically said Meatloaf said he would do anything for love. Well, Kieran Don, he would do anything to win this cup. And, uh, you know, that was kind of broke my co-hosts on national television, but it worked. So Moshe, your two games to watch and your nine picks. Well, and as I told you, like on that Instagram story, he really did everything for love. And that was a tough one, actually. So, you know, uh, and back to basketball. Yeah. Uh, as for the games, it's like Olympiaco, Sanadolo, and Maccabi, Cheska are, it feels like they have the same importance. They share the same importance because Olympiacos and Cheska are relatively close in the standings, right? Yeah, 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 they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty much up at each other there, yeah. And Maccabi and Anadolu, same thing. So... It's it's a winner winner chicken dinner kind of thing for whoever wants to watch any of these games. I'd say, uh, whew, it's a toughie. 
Okay, I'll take the Maccabi Chess Cup, but it's because I'm there. It's because yeah, I'm there. Yeah. That's always a good reason. And Friday, I, I'm going to be shocked. Well, I'm, I'm predicting two things. One, you're going to make a bad joke picking one of the other games, and then you'll pick the game I picked. No, no. Actually, I would, I would go with the El Clasico, but it's a big but, though. Fenner Byron is potentially a very good game in the making. Oh, yeah. No, it has real potential as a game, yeah. And Zvezda have the potential to make life as hard as possible for Unix, uh, which is why I'm saying there is a very good chance they'll grab the win. But Olympiacos, Zenit, Monaco, Maccabi, mm-hmm. just like that you are do a bad one, Basconia are do a Basconia win, but it is not going to happen this week, my friend. So I'm going with Milan. I'm saying Bayern because I don't see Fenner really having the ability to go game after game after game without these guys. So they're going to, you know, eventually it's going to hurt them. I'm picking Unix with uh, a chance of a surprise. Uh, Villarban and yikes. I want to say Barcelona. Okay, let's go Barcelona. Okay, so we both picked the road with El Clasico. Real fans, send us your hatred. Uh, you know, I'm sure the berserkers are going to be annoyed. Yeah, because it, it, it just means that Real will win when, when we do this. So, and Emic, one last thing. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstance whatsoever, break character again and say that Lewis is out just for power outs. We've been through this. I think this is the exception because it's so ridiculous that I think we have to break character on it. But uh, like, it, it might sound also, like a joke, right? It, it might sound so surreal because of it. So uh, one last closing thing on the Real Barca thing because we've already made our pick, so that's not that. It's like it says a lot about how we sort of view the regular season now, much more as the marathon rather than the sprint. That like you know how we see a season playing out is a bit different in this format. You know, I think. If these sides are meeting in, say, you know, the old top 16 or the really old top 16 when it was like only six games, uh, you know, I think we might have been making different picks. But because of the nature of the season now, I think we're both really, you know, happy to go Barcelona on this. So on that bombshell, you can as ever find Aris on all the uh, Euro hoops and uh, his own personal social media and Cosmo TV. Lewis is half Glenny on pretty much every social media. I'm Ball in Europe on pretty much every social media, except for Instagram, where I'm Ball in Europe com. And Moshe, take us home. It's Cosmo.tv, by the way. This is where they can listen okay. in. Yeah. Uh, but damn, you you remember it all. I'm, I'm, you know, it just goes to show that you've been listening to the show when, you know, in the meantime, because the, I, we kept going with this. We kept telling people where they can find pretty much everybody. So kudos. As for myself, you know, you can find me at MosesB1 on Twitter, at I'm Team Scout, at, uh, well, listen to this. We have the, the show's account on Twitter. It's at ELSweet16Show. The podcast, the podcast itself is available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Anchor. And Instagram, you know, just MosesB1, Facebook, Team Scout. And, yeah, that's it, pretty much. Well, there's only one thing to say then, uh, and that is... Till next time. Great pass from Diomatidis. The lob is done. We go 40 minutes to a title. David Blue for three. On the mark, David Blue. Now Spinelis drives inside. Looks for the alley. Corey Higgins just exploding. Euroleague Sweet 16. Exactly what you need.